How do you maintain joy when you've been messed over? How do you maintain joy when folks use you? How do you maintain joy when, when your dreams and ambitions have not only been shattered, but just the opposite has come your way? Well, how do you maintain joy? Well, Paul tells us how, but he's in prison. So how could the Apostle Paul encourage others to be joyful when he himself was in a very difficult circumstance? We'll find out today here on Living a Legacy. Stick around for today's message called Choosing Joy in Our Circumstances. And it might be a message you really need to hear. Our speaker is Crawford Loretz, author of such books as Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, and Letters to a Birmingham Jail. Today we're beginning a series of messages from the book of Philippians, and the series is titled Choosing Joy. Well, it's been a while, but great to have Crawford back with us here right before the message. Good to see you. Hey, Bill. Always good to be with you, my friend. <laughs> well, Choosing Joy, what's behind this series? Well, you know, Joy, uh, and it sounds strange to say this because we, we uh, think that uh, our emotions are just sort of involuntary responses and we don't have any control over them. But as you read through the book of Philippians, um, you, you realize that joy, in a very real sense, is a choice. Mm. That we can we can choose to allow the circumstances to dictate our emotional well-being, or we can look through the circumstances and see the sovereignty of our great Savior, even in the midst of dark times. And it's at that point we choose joy. Paul is demonstrating some amazing behavior in this book. I mean, he's in prison. And he says he's experiencing joy because of the spiritual growth of the Philippians. I mean, it's really amazing. It absolutely is. And, and he refuses to allow his circumstances to, to pull him down and to just hem him in and to be self-absorbed and, quite frankly, to, to pity himself. I mean, he, he speaks and writes with amazing credibility. Mm -hmm. He looks beyond where he's at, and he sees the beauty of the Savior and how God is meeting his needs even in the midst of adverse circumstances. And he's choosing joy. Not only that, he's concerned about others that they too hmm. will find this joy. All right. Let's listen as Crawford explains how we can keep our joy by keeping our eyes on others, keeping our eyes on the moment. Our text is Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Here's Crawford with part one of Choosing Joy in Our Circumstances on Living a Legacy. While you have Philippians 1 open, I'm actually going to read another text from the Old Testament. I'm going to read the last little paragraph here in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk uh, is a prophet that uh, wrote this book, and it's a lament, really, of the pain that he's going through in the prayer for Israel and the judgment of God that's on them. And listen to what he says here, because this really casts the framework for what I really believe that Paul is talking about in the book of Philippians. He says in verse 17 of Habakkuk chapter 3, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive uh, fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like, deer, like the deer's. He, makes me tread on my high, high places, my high places. The book of Philippians is a dear book to me. I got to tell you, 
Uh, if there's ever a book that I go to when I'm challenged or when I'm discouraged, I'm going through a hard time, I have repeatedly gone back to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is perhaps the most personal of all the books or all the letters the Apostle Paul wrote. Because really, it is a thank you letter. It really is a thank you letter. He writes it to thank them for a gift that was given to him. In fact, that purpose is buried over in chapter 4, verse 15. That's the reason why he writes, but he takes the opportunity to instruct, instruct them. Now, there's many legitimate ways of preaching this book. In fact, I did a series on Philippians a number of years ago where I preached it through the four, the four pictures of Jesus throughout the book of Philippians, and I think that that is, that is legitimate. However, I, I, in going back to the book, I, I actually focused on the, on the concept of joy and traced it through the book. And the reason why I feel like that that is a strong emphasis is that uh, the joy word group appears 14 times in this short letter, 14 times. And I want to encourage you to read the book of Philippians this week. And in fact, but what, I want, what I want you to do, I don't want you to read one chapter a day. I want to encourage you, it's a short book, to sit down and read it in one setting to catch the overall flavor of, of the book itself. It's pretty, pretty remarkable. In fact, this letter is also filled with, with words related to the mindset. And there's a connection here. So you have 14 words uh, 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 related to the joy word group. And by word group, I mean joy and rejoice, etc. Uh, there. But then you have, you, then you have uh, um, uh, 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 nine times the word, the Greek word is phroneo, or actually 10 times the Greek word phroneo is used. Phroneo means to think, has to do with mind. And I want you to also pay attention to this when you read an overview of the book itself. I also want you to notice how Paul relates volition to emotion. How do you, what do you mean by that, Crawford? Now, this, this, because this is really counterintuitive. If you don't see this, then you'll miss how Paul deals with joy. Paul doesn't deal with joy the same way we do. He doesn't bury it in emotions. So he, he, the, 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 the word joy is attached to mindset, but also to volition. And that's, uh, that's why I've entitled, I've entitled the series, Choose Joy. Choose Joy. Because Paul assumes that your emotions can be disciplined and that you can choose the right behavior that will determine your emotion. Now, you're looking at me strange, but you've quoted Philippians 4, 6 many times. Be anxious for nothing is a command. He commands you not to be anxious. That's an emotion. So Paul heightens volition, mindset, and joy all together. And he doesn't look at those things as being contradictions. Now, that's very important for us to understand, especially right now. Listen to me. If you're struggling with discouragement and you're struggling with depression, this is a word for you today. It's a word for you today that Paul lifts joy in a higher level and does not shroud it in subjectivity. We'll get back to that in, 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 in a moment, in a moment. So, Joy is a feeling, but is more than that to the Apostle Paul. I did not say that joy was not a feeling, but joy is a feeling, but it's much more than that. It is a choice, and that choice, uh, joy springs from 
Um, and you'll see this as we get into chapter 1. It springs from that which is rock solid and constant. So true joy in the Bible springs from that which is rock solid and, and constant. And I suppose, technically speaking, it is determining what is rock solid and constant that will sustain your joy. In other words, again, it's not subjective. A great biblical illustration of this is the Beatitudes. Have you ever stopped to think about those Beatitudes? You know, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. Think about that. There is a condition and a promise in each of those Beatitudes, right? He says, for example, I'll just pull one out of there. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The, 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 the Greek word blessed is makarios. It means, it means happiness. By the way, let me give a little parenthesis here because I, I, I want to I, I tell you something that I don't necessarily agree with. I think in our cute way of distinguishing joy and happiness, we've make a, we made a false distinction. See, in the Bible, the Bible does not distinguish between joy and happiness. We say, well, joy is uh, happiness, depends on happenings, and joy is that which is, well, you know, I, I don't think that that's so. Um, the word makarios means literally happy, happy. Joy is just a soul-enriching happiness. So when you go back to the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Here, here's the point, and I think this is important because Paul is going to be talking about that, that kind of joy. He says, he says, your condition, your condition is prophetic. That's what he's saying in the Beatitudes. Your condition foreshadows a promise. And so you're happy not because you're mourning. You're happy because you're going to be comforted. You're happy because you're going to get something on the other side. You're going to inherit something. And that's firm. And that is secure. So you, you greet the mourning and you greet the unsettledness and you greet the persecution, not because you're masochistic and you want to be beaten up on, but because attached to that condition is a promise. So you endure the condition. Now, I know this is strange. You're looking at me strangely because this ain't North, North Atlanta stuff here. That's not how we live. But this is what Paul is talking about in, in this text. So... The key principle, I really believe, in Philippians chapter, and in Philippians, the entire book, and again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rushing toward, remember this is a personal level, I think it's really buried over in chapter 4, verse 8. Whatsoever you think, you know, think about these things, uh, uh, the things that give you joy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, found in that, in that text there. And here's the principle, that our attitude and outlook affects everything. That's what Paul is saying here in the book of Philippians. Your attitude and outlook affects everything. So here are the four messages, and I'll have to get, get moving pretty quickly here. The four messages are these, and I'm going to follow along the chapter divisions. We need to choose joy, number one, in our circumstances. Secondly, choose joy in our relationships. Thirdly, choose joy in our pursuit of Christ. And then fourthly, choose joy in our outlook on life. Now, for the sake of time, because I'm going to probably skip through some things, um, number one, we need to choose joy in our circumstances. That's chapter one. What I need to say to set this up here, this chapter, is that, first of all, uh, newsflash, our circumstances change. 
our circumstances change. You all heard me say this here. I think one of the most asininely stupid characteristics of all humanity is arrogance and pride. It is perhaps the most ridiculous, idiotic trait of humanity. To be arrogant and proud presupposes a degree of sovereignty that we do not have. It presupposes a control that we do not have. Why do you say that? Because the truth of the matter, if you're human, your circumstances are going to change. And I'll say it even more strongly, that life can be cruel. Life can be nasty and brutal and cruel. We're often given what we haven't planned for and what we don't want. You know, I, nobody planned. You, you raised that child. You loved that child. You, you taught them the scriptures. You poured into that child. You did all of that stuff. And they turn 16, 17, 18 years old. They cuss you and they rebel and they do all that stuff. Did you? You didn't raise them to do that. You studied hard. You worked hard. You did the very best you could and, and all that stuff. And your boss calls you in and you get a pink slip. You didn't anticipate that. You didn't plan for your, for your husband to sleep around and break his marriage vows and destroy the marriage? You didn't plan for that. And I can go down the list here. And let's keep it real here. And Paul is not sticking his head in the, in the sand when he talks about joy. The joy that he's talking about, not some little stupid locker room statements that you put up there, your attitude determines your altitude, and all these little motivational speak stuff. He's talking about real life. Real life. And life can be cold-blooded. Life can be cruel. Uh, the effects of sin and Satan. And we get beaten up with that, and none of us are immune including yours truly. I can tell you stories of, of how Karen and I have had to hug each other and weep and cry because our hearts were broken over things that we didn't like or did not anticipate. And this is what Paul is talking about. So as you read Philippians chapter 1, you got to understand that Paul is speaking in real time through a real situation that he finds himself in, something that he did not choose. He is in prison. But the question is, how do you maintain joy? How do you maintain joy when you've been messed over? How do you maintain joy when folks use you? How do you maintain joy when, when your dreams and ambitions have not only been shattered, but just the opposite has come your way? Well, how do you maintain joy? Well, Paul tells us how. And he does it with impeccable, impeccable credibility. Why? Because he's in prison. He's locked up. He ought not to be speaking this way. He ought not to be talking like this. If joy was just the response to good things happening, then Paul should be in a fetal position right now. But he's in prison. And yet, he tells us how to maintain joy. And I, I want to give you the three statements and say a few words about them for the sake of time. Now listen to these things. They're, they're pretty simple. But right here in the text, he says, number one, Keep your eyes on others. I'll explain that in a moment. Number two, if you want to maintain joy, keep your eyes on the moment. And number three, if you want to maintain joy, 
Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, you say, Crawford, that's so terribly simple. Hold, hold up here for a second, though. It ain't as easy as it sounds. The very first thing that Paul says, that you want to maintain joy in your life? This life is cruel. It's unpredictable. You don't control anything. What you cherish can be gone. It's real. What do you do? Well, first of all, you keep your eyes on others. What's the point there? The point is that you're not alone. You're not alone. But, 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 but Paul is not, when he says keep your eyes on others, he's not necessarily talking about letting other people encourage you, although that, that would be true, but there's something different. He's actually talking about expressing your encouragement to others despite your own disappointment. That's what he's talking about here in the text. He's in jail. He's in prison. So Paul is saying, look, he, I want to focus on others. And, you know, he's not necessarily talking about sending out a letter or email that we would do or whatever, say, you, here's my situation, will you write me notes of encouragement? No, he flips it around. He takes his eyes off of himself and off of his dire situation, and he focuses upon other people that are dear to him, and he blesses them. Now, I'm going to say quickly, that's not denial, because you're going to see this in a moment. Paul's not doing this as some little psychological trick thing to get his head in the right place. No, it's real. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to focus on other, and, 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 and the focus on other people and the ministering to other people, in, in, in spite of his dire situation, does something for him. Let's look at what he says here. Uh, first, he, he expresses his gratitude to them. He is grateful. It has to do with their partnership. Verses 3 and 4, uh, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, for you all making my prayer with joy. Verse 5 says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's the very, very first thing I want you to know. I'm going to tell you, you, you've been asking how I'm doing. You sent me some money. Kind of thing. But what I want you to know is this. I am so grateful to God for you. I'm grateful to God for you. He expresses gratitude in the midst of his pain. It's going to help somebody here today. Some of you need to do that. You've gotten so far beneath the hope line that you've deified the dastardly set of circumstances that you find yourself in right now, and you've isolated yourself. One of the best ways of getting out of all of that is to shift your eyes and begin to express gratitude, appreciation toward the people that, 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 you, that you love. Paul is thinking about others and not about himself. Not about himself. Uh, you give in the midst of your pain. I, I can't tell you this, and you've all been here, many of you, if you've ever visited the hospital, I can't tell you the number of times in which you know, I've visited maybe someone here in our body in the hospital that's uh, in pretty bad shape. And before I go, you know, you sit down, you think about passages of Scripture that you want to share with them and how words of encouragement that you want to give them and what you can do. And then you show up at the hospital. I've had this happen many times. Our staff can tell you. You show up there, and lo and behold, they encourage you far more than you encourage them. And you walk out, 
tears trickling down your cheeks. You said, my goodness, how'd they do that? How'd they do that? And often those, of who, those who are in the most dire set of circumstances because their perspective is right are the most joyful. So Paul expresses his gratitude that, that you know, you're, you're not alone. Now remember, this is a prisoner, and he prays for those who he loves with great joy. Paul's hardships made him better. It didn't make him bitter. And we'll see why in a few moments. And he also expresses his confidence that God's going to work on their behalf. This guy's given a blessing. For, he's, he's in jail. He's locked up. He's separated from his ministry. He's on his way to being executed. And yet he expresses great confidence. What do you find that verse 6 says? And uh, he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that we personalize that, and many of us who have quoted that verse, it says, I, you know, this has to do with the, 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 the three tenses of our salvation or phases of our salvation, you know, that uh, being confident is the very thing, that he who began, that's our justification, a good work in you will perfect it or complete it, that's our sanctification until the day of Jesus Christ, that's our glorification. That's a good application, but that's not the author's intent here. He's not talking about our salvation so much as he talk, he's talking about, in context, the work there at Philippi. And he's expressing God, his confidence in God, that God who started the work there at Philippi, he says, I want you to know, I want you, I'm praying, and God is going to do everything that he said he would do in that work, and you don't need to be, you don't need to be discouraged at all. And he's, he's pouring confidence in them that God's on your side, and he's going to work for you. Crawford Loritz here on Living a Legacy, part one of the message, Choose Joy in Our Circumstances. And Crawford, that word choose ends up being a very important part of this series. It absolutely does. And it's, a, it's, it's an act of the will. It's what we choose to do that mm -hmm. determines our outcomes in a very real sense. Now, you know, I said there in the message as we wrap things up, you know, it, uh, really, we choose joy because Jesus is permanent. And uh, that he has defied death, and he's defied that which can ultimately destroy us. And so what we'll see in this series is how, how incredibly important this word choose is. Crawford, I can just hear someone say, you know, Paul is the Apostle Paul. I mean, I can't live up to his spiritual capabilities. Well, it's true. I don't know too many people who are, who are at the level of the Apostle Paul, but that should not be an excuse for us. I think uh, when we can let ourselves off the hook and say, well, I'm not, I'm not there. Well, God wants us to get to where we need to be, and that is spiritual maturity. And, uh, and so Paul is modeling before us, and even though God used him in a great way, remember, he wasn't the fourth member of the Trinity. He, he's, a, he's a human being. And we, too, can grab a hold of that perspective and be victorious in the midst of our pain. All right. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Crawford. Part two of Choosing Joy in Our Circumstances next week. This is the first message in a six-part series titled Choosing Joy. And if you missed out on some of today's broadcast, check it out online at livingalegacy.org. We stream it there, livingalegacy.org. Free MP3 downloads are also available. If you'd like to get in touch with us, click the Contact Us link on the website. This program is listener-supported, so thanks for keeping that in mind as you listen. Details on our website, livingalegacy.org. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being with us today 
Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.